Welcome to the Grace Lutheran Church Cincinnati podcast. This week, Pastor Greg Enterline gives a sermon entitled, What is God's? Less important, what is Caesar's? Hope you enjoy. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, and they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. And that connects to our gospel lesson for today. Uh, For instance, journalists, right, they want to get their stories to get lots of attention. Reporters are a lot like politicians or even pastors for that matter. We want people to listen to us. So reporters are constantly trying to get people to say intriguing, exciting, provocative, scandalous, or sometimes just plain stupid things. Questions like in sports, which I admit I read a lot more sports articles than I do anything else, uh, like, how did so-and-so play today? Sometimes it's an innocent question, but sometimes they're trying to get the coach to say something negative about a particular player because that will get more uh, hits on the website. How is your team chemistry similarly can sometimes be posed to get a reaction, positive or negative? especially during voting season, uh, questions are often brought up, not because there's really that much doubt about what different policies different politicians have. Rather, it's just fishing for a juicy quote. Reporters often bring up touchy or emotional topics on purpose, and sometimes that's perfectly fine. Good reporting is great, and getting to the bottom of things and finding the truth is a laudable goal. However, sometimes media types are just looking for an inflammatory quote so everyone will read their article. That's why we need good and uh, reporters with morals just like we need every other kind of person. Shame on those in public position who say things publicly that they shouldn't, but shame also on reporters who maliciously sometimes lay traps for individuals and thoughtlessly cause hurt and division. I bring that up not only because it's relevant, but because that's exactly what the Pharisees are trying to do in our gospel lesson, and we absolutely have to keep that in the back of our mind to understand where Jesus is coming from. It's, you know, curious, well, curious isn't exactly the right word, but it's it's interesting that the Pharisees send their disciples, perhaps because Jesus would recognize them. So they send someone else with a seemingly innocent question um, and, you know, some flattery thrown in 
to sweeten it a little bit. Um, in fact, uh, the Pharisees don't really, like I said, oftentimes, or I'll say in the future, the Pharisees don't really care what Jesus' position is. In fact, they couldn't care less what he thinks. All they've done is they've crafted a question that they think is really a stinger, one that there's no possible way around. There's no good way to answer this question. Either way, Jesus is going to end up in trouble. Uh, we, again, remember, this situation is Jesus is not speaking to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, trying to explain to them how to speak. Rather, Jesus is being ambushed by scumbags. And yet, he still manages to help reframe the political conversation. Now, this happens, uh, I'm getting, this happens during Holy Week, uh, and Jesus has already really ticked off the religious establishment. They're actively looking for a chance to kill him, we're told in the Gospels. But there's a big problem for their opponents of Jesus, and that is the crowds. The crowds love watching Jesus do crazy stuff and hearing him say mind-blowing things. He speaks in ways that no one else does. Maybe Jesus' opponents think, maybe if we get him to say something scandalous, uh, we'll get enough, enough people to want him to be killed. Or, failing that, maybe we can take a major dent out of his popularity so that He's not always surrounded by the crowds because if Jesus' enemies can get the crowds away from Jesus, then they're going to pounce. So they ask this question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Well, Jesus can't very easily say it's not lawful because the Herodians who are there could arrange to have him arrested for tax evasion, evasion and sedition. I mean, it's, it's bad enough and to not pay your taxes uh, when you're supposed to, but, it's, but encouraging others to not pay the taxes that they're supposed to or not to pay taxes at all, well, that could really get you into trouble. Why? So why doesn't Jesus not simply say, pay your taxes? Well, you know, we know even government officials don't want to pay taxes that they don't have to. But there's more to it than that. To illustrate, you couldn't use Roman coinage in the temple. You had to use temple money, which was a lot like Chuck E. Cheese money, if you know what that is. It's worthless anywhere but inside the temple. And why did the Jews go through all this rigmarole of changing the regular coinage to their own special coinage. Well, the Roman money didn't say, in God we trust on it. No, it said, Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. So not only is it a graven image, if you want to get real technical, but it's also tr a tribute to a false god. Caesar, the son of the divine, the son of God, it says, basically. So this, this made religious Jews very squeamish. They didn't particularly like this. If they'd had any say in the matter, it wouldn't have been on the coin. And it sounded a lot like breaking the first commandment. So this is a, a so-called litmus test for Jesus. Like a lot of 
unfortunately, in my opinion, like a lot of political questions today, sometimes people don't really care why you say what you're saying. They don't care why you say, they don't care what your opinion, why you have that opinion. They just want to know if you're on their side or if you're the bad guy, right? And unfortunately, we've probably seen or maybe experienced people who, who when they see a different political position than their own, they don't like us or they comment negatively or they attack or call names, all kinds of things. Well, politics are uh, sometimes, that's maybe generous, sometimes used and framed in this us versus us mentality, us versus them mentality. Now, it certainly would be healthier uh, to tackle issues and not to tackle people. Uh, trying to understand the other side and why the other side thinks so differently than you, uh, there must be a reason, unless everybody else is just completely crazy, uh, there must be a reason why we think differently than one another. And to get at that and talk about that might be a more healthy way of going about things. And, uh, you know, again, we should laud and, and approve politicians who are working not to defeat an enemy, but working to provide solutions. So back to Jesus and this uh, taxes to Caesar thing. If Jesus says no, right, this heathen king, Caesar, has both the power and probably enough concern to do something to make Jesus stop saying this. Um, Jesus knows he's going to die, but it's going to be his passion is going to take place on his time frame, not on anybody else's, not on the Pharisees. But if Jesus says, yes, pay taxes, then Jesus will lose the moral high ground. And that's important because Jesus is concerned about people trusting in him. And here's why that matters. Jesus, if he does this, he'll have admitted that if he says, yeah, go ahead and pay your taxes, even though it's a little bit of a concerning issue, just go ahead and pay them. He'll have lost people because everyone will think Jesus is just playing dirty politics like everybody else. He's got all these high morals, but when push comes to shove, he just rolls over when he's threatened. Um, Jesus' loyalty to Yahweh uh, above all else um, uh, this is what endears him, perhaps more than anything else, to many in the crowds, including faithful followers. It's his saving grace and, and why so many Jews are listening to him. because he's and, and it's the flattery, right, that the Pharisees try, their disciples try to, we know that you speak the truth and you don't care what anyone says. So, uh, so they want him to, to, to get a big head and speak without thinking. But to acknowledge Caesar as a legitimate ruler would not only seriously undermine Jesus' popularity and help the Pharisees in their goal, it would damage people's faith in Jesus as trustworthy. Jesus is revered again in part because he says what Yahweh's word says, no matter who it offends. But if it looks like he's compromising just to escape, he'll no longer be seen as a faithful Jew. And Jesus doesn't want to put that stumbling block in front of anybody who might put their faith in him. So Jesus doesn't answer their question at all. He asks for a coin and then says, whose name is on that? And the disciples of the Pharisees, it's not the Pharisees themselves, but the disciples of the Pharisees, they play along. Why? I mean, because they know Jesus is crafty. 
but they think if we play along long enough, he's going to give us an answer. He's going to tell us one way or the other. So they say, Caesar's. And Jesus says, all right, well, uh, and Jesus says, essentially, um, if, it's a, if a lunchbox has a person's name on it, give them their lunchbox back. Jesus says, this has got Caesar's name on it. It's his coin. Give it back to him. I'm not a thief, and, and God doesn't need it anyway. So give, it's got his name on it. Give it back to him. Um, well, flipping flapjacks, Jesus' opponents think. I mean, he didn't pay Caesar any sort of respect. It's, it's almost kind of disrespectful, but he didn't say we should pay taxes either. And now, we obviously, it's obvious this was a trap, and it looks like we have compromised our faith. Well, Jesus came out smelling like roses. Now, <clears throat> I bring up a lot of that background because Christians often quote this quote, uh, this saying of Jesus as if to say, there's kind of two spheres. Give Caesar what's Caesar's and give God what's God. Or maybe it's not Christians who, uh, I think it's, it's easy to just look at that phrase by itself and not realize all the background and the baggage that's going on. <clears throat> because the reality is, in a situation, Jesus isn't really giving them an answer at all. He's just very deftly avoided their trap. Yet his questions, even if they're not exactly an answer, I think they do help us tease out how to think about politicians in the right, how to think about, not politicians, how to think about politics and government in the right sort of way. Give to God what is God's. That's by far the most important part of this equation. And even if we weren't going to get to the second part, it would be okay. Because what is God's? <laughs> well, what isn't God's is probably the more appropriate question. I mean, God created and designed this whole world. Kings and princes only rule because he either puts them there or he puts up with them there. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine, says the Lord. I don't need you to take care of me. You don't, I don't need anything from you. What I want, though, what I desire is mercy, not sacrifice. Micah puts it this way, what does the Lord require of you? But he wants you to, uh, to love, to act justly, to walk humbly, and to love mercy. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, you know, essentially what we owe God. The whole world is God's, but maybe even more appropriate as we think about what is Caesar's and what is God's. Give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, we might put the answer real simply and say, what is God's? You are. And what is Caesar? Oh, maybe some money, right? Give to God what is God's. And that is you, because you are the Lord's. First Corinthians tells us, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You are the Lord's. He made you, and he bought you back when you were sold into slavery of sin and death. He personally came to ensure that you were safely delivered back to his eternal kingdom and home. He bought you not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent sufferings and death. 
through his own blood, sweat, and tears, he bought you because he loves you. What is God's? You. You are God's. You are the Lord's because he loves you. And so, much less importantly, what is the government? If we wanted to give only a straightforward answer, I think the answer would be, well, we can give the government money. Um, it's, but it's, it's only fair to give Uncle Sam money, right, and using Jesus' logic, because it's got his name on it already, right? And after all, you and I are rich entirely apart from money. We have Jesus, we have the Word, we have the Lord's Supper, we have the community of saints, and God's abiding presence and peace. We are rich. What more do we really need? Paul says, talking about government in Romans chapter 13, give the government taxes and respect because God has established them and it's for the common good. And Paul also says, you are free. You are free, so don't let anyone have a claim on you, including government. So don't owe, whenever you owe somebody something, you're uh, indebted to them, we say. You are, in a sense, a slave to them. And Paul doesn't want us to be owed a debt to anyone. And so he says, if the government asks you for your tax, for taxes, pay it to them, because you should have no, you are free. Don't owe anybody anything if you can help it. But even more importantly, he concludes this section on government saying, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. More important than any dollar amount, love one another. Americans, as Americans, we do have great privileges as we get closer to election season to partake in government, uh, uh, the freedom to try to, uh, to try to ensure and help the common good uh, by championing, championing what is good and protecting the vulnerable. And the best way, right, I mean this in a positive sense, the best way to love your country is to love the people in your country. And that's what government is intended to do. So as we vote um, or do anything political, please don't let your primary motivation be fear or hatred. Rather, think about how can you love your neighbor? How can you care for your neighbor by protecting, by trying to make the world a more safe and just place? Um, and that's a better way with love to approach politics. It's not the way that everyone approaches politics, certainly. It's not how every, you know, it's, it it's goes against the grain. But for Christians in particular, it's, it's not really about winning or losing. It's about making a more safe, just, and good country. And follow your conscience by all means and vote for you, who you, the, the uh, politicians who you think are going to do a better job of that. But also, uh, may God bless whoever is elected or appointed in whatever positions, and may he enable and inspire and teach them to protect and care not just for one side or one party or one set of concerns, but for all people under their care. And that certainly is not the easiest task in the world. And so that's why Paul also encourages us in Romans chapter 13 to pray for our government officials, whoever they may be. Even as Paul is going to go on trial before Caesar, he asks that people pray for him.
And so whatever else we may do as we approach uh, the uh, voting season, uh, remember to pray for our government as well. Um, and no matter what happens, Jesus is our Lord, right? We are the Lord's. And although politicians, politicians can and sometimes do fail us, we know that our Lord never will fail us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this sermon. Please rate and subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on our website at www.gracemin.org, our YouTube channel, or our Facebook page. And remember, live in God's grace and never give up hope.